Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for another Supercoach preseason episode. We're up to Supercoach preseason episode number five. And tonight we have not one, not two, but three teams that we will be covering. And to do that, the first preseason episode, we got Billy back. Billy is here again for episode number five. So we're going to go through the Melbourne Storm, the St. George Illawarra Dragons, and also the New Zealand Warriors. So going to be a big night of podcasting. We're going to try and get through it all. It is going to be a two-parter, everyone. So we've been doing that, breaking them up, just so it's a bit easier to listen to each episode. Uh, We'll do it again tonight with this one. It'll be split into two. But, Billy, it's been five weeks. I have missed you. The listeners have missed you. I hope you're getting right into the preseason and you're raring to go. Uh, I was when I saw the petition to get me back on, mate. I signed it. (laughs) <laughs> might have been the only one <laughs> but uh yeah no good to be back mate but it's good to good to share it all other so many blokes that know know their teams inside outs no no point me blabbering on i can do the eels for you but you've got to have blokes like garrity on to the newcastle and show some passion mate they know what's happening yes indeed well look the storm is the first team that we're going to start with and for the those that are listening for the first time with the podcast, you know, these are the Supercoach episodes, like I said. So in the preseason, it's Supercoach only when we're doing team previews. We do go into detail, everyone. So if you're listening for the first time, we go through all the options because we like to look at all the data, all the numbers, and we like to just give you all the options so you can choose as the coach of your team who you reckon is going to work out the best. So we try and just give you all the facts, a few opinions here and there for sure, and then you can uh, build your team for round one. So Certainly, uh, you can find us everywhere, but when the season does start, we will do an NRL episode each week as well. So there'll be two episodes, a Supercoach episode at the start of the week, and then towards the end of the week, we do an NRL episode of Talk and Footy, where it's just all about rugby league. But Billy, the Melbourne Storm, that's the first cab off the rank, and I'm going to tell the listeners up front, Melbourne Storm's very meaty, so we will talk about them for a, a large portion of the podcast. they got a lot of options. First things first, they've they've obviously had a few changes, Billy. So when we're going through how the Melbourne Storm is going to look this year, um, one of the changes that isn't there on the gains and losses sheet is that Ryan Pappenhausen probably isn't going to be back to maybe even round eight, could even be later. So they've come out and said that he's going to miss the first six to eight rounds. So that's almost a loss, at least for the first portion of the season. And it certainly makes a big difference for Supercoach. As far as the other losses that they have, though, the Bromwich boys, Kenneth and Jesse, are both gone to the Dolphins. Cooper Johns is gone. Felice Cafuzzi has moved on. Brandon Smith has moved on. You've got four guys there that are all starters for Melbourne Storm for a number of years. Brandon Smith, maybe he wasn't always starting, but, you know, big part of that team anyway. Uh, as far as the games, games go, Katoa and Sims are the big ones. Uh, Joe Chan has come over from the Catalans Dragons as well. Uh, I think... The general consensus on the Storm, Billy, is everyone expects them to be good again. I certainly do expect them to be good again. But it is going to be a very different outfit. You know, they've got the two Bromwich boys, Brandon Smith, Felice Cafusi, they've all been staples of that team. And I don't think, it's not like they've gotten huge quality in or or this big influx. And having Pappenhausen out as well, it's a pretty disrupted 17 uh, compared to prior years when we've seen the storm. So how do you sort of see them coming into 2023? Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag because you've obviously lost um, some of, the, I'd say, the experience up front as opposed to the quality SC uh, types. Um, big, big fullback, big interchange with the cheese. Um, and you look at and you look at the draw too, and we'll get to that in a minute. But you've, you've, they, they start off with an absolute powerhouse in the heels. <laughs> you, you, you get a team like the Dogs kind of second up who aren't anywhere near what they used to be. Um, so you've only got a couple of easier team, lower-ranked sort of uh, teams in there jammed in between before you get to the, uh, you know, the Chooks and, and, and the Souths kind of game. So you're kind of damned if you do it, damned if you don't. You've got a mixed team, mixed mix, mix new team, mix, mix, mix sort of new spine in there, new, new forwards, a whole bunch of rookies, some home teams, some away games. It's, it's, one, it's, one, of those, it's one of those make-ups where you're just going to decide – 
you know, to Cam Smith or not, or to to, to sorry, not the Cam Smith, to, to um to, to Munster or not, or to to Grant or not, and pick, you know, do I want the one or two players? It's it's a bit of a tough one, but maybe we can just get through them one at a time. It's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, and look, before we go into the players, we'll chat about the draw briefly. So you mentioned the, the powerhouse Eels up front. They don't have a buy until round nine. Yeah. Uh, so you do get the first two months of value out of them before they miss a game. And and that's better than a lot of the other powerhouses. Like obviously Penrith and the Roosters in particular have the early buys, uh, which hurts a fair bit when you've got those expensive players. So it's definitely a plus for their guns that you're not going to have to sit them on the pine for the first two months. It's an interesting first month. You know, it's it's very even where they've got two games at home, two games away. They've got the Eels away. They've got the Bulldogs at home, which you'd think is a decent game, but the Bulldogs are a lot better, as you mentioned. The Titans away and the Tigers at home. Now, the Titans and Tigers, they're, they're two better games, I guess, for point scoring for Supercoach, even though the Tigers will be much improved. So the first month, I agree with you, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but I'd actually lean towards the first month being decent. And then they hit the, the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Roosters, though, and they hit Manly before they hit the Warriors with a good game, but then they hit their bye. So it's, it's yeah, it's definitely that mixed bag. I, I do think that it's above average, but not much as far as the draw goes. And as far as where I think they'll finish, I, look, I don't want to upset the Melbourne faithful because I tend to do it occasionally in these preseason podcasts when I say... I don't think they're going to be as dominant as the Cam Smith days and these sort of things. It, it's You sort of saw it the second half of last year. I think that you saw they weren't as dominant as what we've known Melbourne to be in the past. They certainly had to fight a lot harder for some of their wins. They certainly had some losses that you wouldn't have expected them to have. And some of their performances just weren't that great. And I think that we're going to see that and more to start this year because I think they're going to have to really figure it out because there's going to be some even just some leadership changes with some of those older guys that are leaving that have been there forever. And I think that Pappenhausen being out again, you know, Meany has played fullback plenty, but it's still a lot of firepower that they're not going to have. I think they're going to have a lot to work through, mate. So I still reckon they're going to be top four-ish. And it might be one of those things where they actually finish a similar on the table, but just have a worse season, if that makes sense, because it's just that type of NRL this year where everyone's kind of good, but, they'll still stick up there, but I think they'll have to work a lot harder in the start of the season might not be as good for them. Well, I certainly would never pick, never pick them not to finish top four, um, regardless of missing the, um, you know, a, a key player or two. They, they're just that good, mate. So, yeah, look, worst case scenario, you think they're in the sort of top six, which, which is still what prime position end, end of the season when they get Papagius in the back. So, yeah, I wouldn't write them off at all, mate. Um, and there's some key players in there just looking at numbers that just perform regardless of who they're playing. So, yeah, no write-off, mate. It'll just be interesting to see what they do to start to to start to to start the year, especially with that Eels game. I mean, Eels at home is one thing, but they seem to have had a bit of an edge over the storm the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, looking forward to a bit of a fireworks footy round one. So let's kick off the super coach talk on the players. First gun to talk about is Pappenhausen, who we mentioned. The biggest gun for them, averaged ninety points a game in twenty twenty two, but that only included twelve games because obviously it was hurt. So. All these podcasts for the team previews are really about helping people be able to pick their teams for round one. So on that basis, we already know Pappenhausen is going to be out for the first six to eight rounds, it looks like. We're not going to spend time talking about him as an option because obviously he isn't. Uh, What I would say really is that he's gone from 71 to a 79 average to a 90 average the last three years running. But he's also the last three years running gone from 17 games played, 13 games played, 12 games played. And what he's coming back from is pretty significant. So he's 950,000. I am going to make a really bold statement on Pappenhausen and say I'm not sure that he's going to be ownable for much of this season because when he comes back, I really think it's such a serious injury. Like his knee broke into nine different pieces. It's obviously, you know, a lot of people thought that he was going to be right for round one and it's actually going to be probably the first two months of the season that he misses. When he comes back, it could legitimately take him two or three months to to even get back near his best. And I, I don't want to jinx it. I hope we see Pappenhausen at his best. He may never get back to his best because it was that serious of injury. Even with ACLs, Billy, we see it's really the following year after the ACL that they really hit their straps again. So at 950,000 starting, 
if he misses a few extra weeks because he has some complications, you know, we, we might not even see him until mid-year. He may not even be an option this year at any point because by the time he gets low enough to buy him, we, we might not be that impressed with him and it's sort of getting towards the, the back third of the season and there's so much other competition. Do you think that he's going to have much of an impact this year on Supercoach? Later in the year, he will. Um, at, at his price, he's going to come back at an insane price. Uh, no one will own him for the first couple because you, you'll obviously want to, want, to, want to ease in. The, the only reason people will buy him is you know, if, if he ends up coming sort of a, you know, a third of the way through the season, there's uh, someone wants to... T- Wants to, make, wants to make pod move. He's he's come back healthy. Um, let's let's say he comes back when the Tigers are absolutely demoralised or the Warriors demoralised. They're playing at home and and you know still a pain of dollar ten. Someone's always going to throw, throw throw caution into the wind and or, or not and you know, just just bring him in just just to see. But apart from that, I think most people sit back, wait to watch, and then come second half of the season when when he showed a bit of confidence in that they just bring him in because. When you look at his numbers, mate, he, he just averages a ton when he plays 80 minutes. And that's not just last season. It's pretty much every season he's played. Yeah, well, it's, it is going to be very interesting to watch him and just in real life on how he actually recovers and, and makes his way back from that injury. I, I don't think that he's going to get back to his best this year. Uh, but look, I hope he does. we are talking... I hope he does too as a rugby league fan because seeing seeing that flowing yellow mullet in flight, is there, is there many better sights? I don't think so. But... We do need to talk about some other players a bit more because they're actually going to be options for round one. And Cameron Munster is definitely an option for round one. 848,300. He's not going to be cheap as your 5'8 for round one, but he averaged 80.6 points per game last year. And he's only 14% owned. And I say only because that's not in pod territory at 10% and under. But for Cameron Munster, that is pretty low to start a year. And I think that because there's so many other 5-8 options at the moment for round one and so many value picks that some of the owners that would have been on in prior years to get his average of that 20 to 25% mark are going elsewhere. Uh, and that's interesting to me because, and I'll say I have gone elsewhere, but I'm surprised that more people aren't sticking with, with Cameron because he averaged 81 points last season and that was his career best. And he's now gone up four years in a row on his average, 69 to 70 to 74 to 81. And that 81 last season was massive. He was killing it as far as his consistency as well. 76% of the time, Cameron Munster was giving you a 60-plus score. Probably one of the biggest things for me, Billy, his base, base attack is elite. You know, he had a base of 31 raw base, which is really nice. But 53 base, base attack. So that's his base with his offloads and his tackle breaks, giving you 53 points straight up. You know, that tells you what a great floor he's got. And everyone knows what a good floor he has. But the worrying thing for me as a non-owner is the big scores he can put on. So last year, if you're going through the tons that he had, 147, 130, 121, 112 and 110 to round out his 500 plus scores. But when he can hit those 147s and 121s, as a non-owner, it worries you. But the thing that worries me the most, Billy, is that he he put two of these scores on against two of the sides that he's actually going to start off with. So the Parramatta Eels conceded 121 points to him last year in their matchup. And then the second matchup of theirs, they conceded 91 points to Cameron Munster. The Gold Coast Titans, they gave him his season high, 147 points last year. He's going to play both those sides in the first month of footy. He didn't play the Tigers last year. The, the, the Bulldogs were only a 33-point score for him in a really poor outing. But, geez, I, as someone who doesn't own Cameron Munster, when I looked at what he scored against some of his opposition, mainly the Heels and the Gold Coast Titans last year, really worried me for this first month. Uh, because that's that's pretty big scoring, and he has that ability, doesn't he? The Eels actually beat the Storm twice last year, so that hundred, that, that hundred and what twenty one, whatever you reckon, whatever you said, he scored versus the Eels in round three. That was in a loss. So <laughs> put some perspective yeah. on it too. Like, what if he gets a win? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, mate. Like, he, I I had him in my team too, but I pulled him out at the la- at the last minute. And reason reason is exactly the same as you, just trying to get head count around the park and as much as you want him there, there are guys that are a little bit cheaper that can probably do 
maybe not the same as him, but you know, sort of 65, 70s for a little bit less and spread that money elsewhere to, to offset his score. And he is pretty consistent, but if he scores 130, he, he has that rare game, you know, like any sort of half real, have a 35 or a 45 to offset it. And so his five game rolling average is never insane. It's always just around that sort of 85, 90 mark, which is exactly what he's priced at. So for those reasons alone, I'm just gonna sort of stay away but also because of, you know, um, I was going to say, you know, Eels first game and so the Rabbits and the um, Rabbits and the Chooks, I think, fought around five and six. But when you just throw that stat in front of me, which I was oblivious to, the 121 in that round three loss kind of skews the data a bit. But also in saying that, I think his lowest score last year was versus the Bulldogs, who he played second, and now a weaker last year. So, go figure. Yeah, I mean, and that's the counter to it as well. He does have some lower ones in him. Uh, Bulldogs was his second lowest at 33. He actually had a 26 as well last year. Um, so he does have those few real low ones in him, 37 points against the Cowboys as well. They had three three scores below 40. And it's one of those things where it could happen, especially with a new spine. Well, not a new spine. It could happen with a bit of a new roster around him um, and a bit of a rebuild for the Melbourne Storm, I guess. So that's what I'm hoping for. But I will say that I'm pretty worried and I think that he's a really good option. Like, I'm not going to do it because I'm just just on preference. But out of the Storm players that are available, he would be my number one for sure. I'd have him well and truly above Harry Grant, who we're about to talk about. Um, And that's because of those big score potential. I think that the other thing that, is happening too, is that there's a bit of a narrative building where people, uh, I, I understand the logic behind it. They're saying that no Pappenhausen, they're going to rely on him. He's going to step up a lot more. He he averaged almost identical to his season average when Pappenhausen was out and when Pappenhausen was in. He, he was right around that 80 to 81 mark. So when, when Pap played, he was still just doing what he did for the season average. It really doesn't make too much of a difference to him in the past. I don't know whether that'll make more of a difference this season, uh, hard to tell, but it certainly isn't there statistically that he's going to really step up and get more ball and all this other sort of stuff. I think he was getting heaps of ball before anyway. It does worry me that he's in his prime though, Billy. You know, in real life, we saw Cameron Munster have his best season, arguably last season. Um, and he's off the drink and all that other stuff, but he's in his prime years. He's 28 years old. So that is a worry that he could even improve on last year, just in real football terms. And that's scary for me. But the thing that's scary is that the fact that he was arguably, you know, arguably, arguably the the top fullback in the game or close to it when he when he was there, and then he goes to five eight and is arguably, <laughs> if not the top five eight of the game within what a couple of years. The guy's just a freak, absolute weapon. I love watching him play. He's killing it. If if he was available in a different position, or if one of those other five eights like an Adam Dewey that I really love was available at centre wing. I would have Cameron Munster in there. It's just, it's too hard with Matt Burton and Adam Dewey in my two sixes at the moment. And I've got Munster third. Now I, I will say I have considered to punt Burton out because I'm really annoyed that when I put him in, when the, the team picker was out, you know, he was probably only about 8% owned and now he's at 40 something percent. So that has almost made me rage trade him out to a Cameron Munster and pay them because 14% versus 42 or 43% Burton. Yeah, that's a way to sort of... Yeah, to get you up the ladder. But just to put in perspective how good these Melbourne Storm players are, mate, I've been coaching um, uh, kids rugby at, at um, East Cooper Roof for the last few years. And last year or the year before, when the kids were nine, we asked them who their favourite um, footy player was. This is this is rugby, not league. Five or six of the kids in the, in a team of, what, 13, all said um, Ryan Pappenhusen or Kevin Munster. <laughs> They couldn't even name it. They, couldn't, I mean, they, couldn't, can't really, they can't really talk about a rugby union player. They're all hopeless. So well, that, that, that's the whole point, mate. Like they, they don't even watch rugby. Like the, they, they just everyone idolizes the storm up here. It's insane. Mm, well, look, I, I think that me and Billy are both in agreement that Cameron Munster is a fantastic option, and there's a big argument that you should have him over Matt Burton just because of that ownership. And you know, fourteen percent ownership at the moment is insane. I, I definitely have him as a number one storm. So if you're talking about him or, or Grant, I'm going Munster all day. And speaking of Grant, let's talk about him. 816000 he's going to cost you. And he averaged 77.6 points per game. He is almost double the ownership of Cameron Munster. 25% owned is Harry Grant. 
he was very consistent too, though, in fairness. At 70% of his games, he went 60-plus. And 60% of his games, he actually went 80-plus. So he actually had more of those games where, you know, when he wasn't tunning or having a big game, it was still that 80-odd score. And he had a lot of those. So he's incredibly consistent last year. If you look at his first seven games for Harry Grant last season, first seven games, he didn't go below 79 points. That is really, really quite remarkable. Now, that's all the pros for Harry Grant. I'll give you the the against Harry Grant because I'm not on Harry Grant. And I said before, if I've got to choose an expensive Storm player, I will pivot to Munster and be starting with him. But the against Harry Grant for me, he scored 138 points in one game last year. That is his highest by a mile. Uh, I don't ever think he's hit 120 plus other than that one before. When you look at his tons, he just scrapes over it most of the time. And, you know, that's fine. Like he's really consistent with his other scores, but it does take him out of, you know, the captaincy equation most of the time, or if not, you know, definitely out of the VC equation, whereas Munster gives you those options if we can compare them. Uh, but certainly Grant's consistent, but his other tons is outside his 138, 113 and 104 last year. And when you're looking down his top scores against other teams, he's only actually tonned against five teams in his career. So that all might change, but when you're looking at those tons, they're like 105, 104, 101. He just scrapes over on a lot of them. And I think that that's the big thing for me. When you look at his price at 816000 look at the fact that he's not going to really burn you with a 140, 150 score, which even though he got 138 last year, appears to be an outlier at the moment. That is a, that is a big deal. I think that a lot of people, Billy, are going to say, oh, yeah, but Brandon Smith isn't there. You know, it made no difference because he averaged 78 points a game last year playing 76 minutes. So he's pretty much playing 80 minutes anyway. Uh, and he was a lot of the weeks. There was just a few weeks here and there where he didn't and it was more of a rest than anything else. So Brandon Smith going doesn't make any difference to Harry Grant as far as his numbers go. And we go and look at Hooker. And certainly if I'm choosing in my spine where I'm going to sacrifice money, it's definitely number nine. Now, there's a big drop-off from Harry Grant to the other guys. Um, certainly, there's Damien Cook is up there. Certainly, Robson's up there. If I'm going to pay for a hooker, I'm going to pay for Harry Grant. Don't get me wrong. I've got him over Cook, got him over Robson. I just think that we've got the ability to go cheaper there at the moment, certainly with the cheese at 500-odd-K and, and other options that are coming through. You know, it, you've got the ability to do that. I'm not comfortable doing that at halfback. I'm not comfortable doing that at six. Definitely not doing that at fullback. So, Harry Grant's a casualty for me, but I still rank him as the number one hooker. Yeah, same. Just a set and forget for me. Um, the only reason is I think he's still a little bit undervalued. Like you've got the he, although he played most of his games uh, eighty minutes last year, there were a few that were short. And you've got to remember the um, first he's priced at what seven eight, but his first seven games last year he averaged ninety, and his last seven games last year he averaged um, ninety as well. Um, so that's all up together. So uh, average 95 in his first seven games and uh, his last his last seven games, yeah, total sort of 89, 90 average. He only, he only dropped um, in in the middle between Origin, basically, and the one game versus... Uh, so the two the two games pr- uh, prior to um, Origin 1 where he played to the Panthers and Cowboys, so top of the ladder. So I think... With the draw, with the draw that he's got, the fact that he's fresh, guaranteed eighty minutes, not going to have like a, a sub sort of 10, 15 minute spell with with with, with the cheese. Like you might, actually, he might he might still get rotated. What, what's, your, what's your take there? Well, I actually think that he will. Um, I, I think most of the time he's going to play eighty. But like he had what five games or something last year that he had a rest, and two of those were in the middle of the season, right when it was Origin time. So yeah, that's going to happen again. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I just I, I don't think it's going to make much difference to his minutes. Yeah, I'm just going to start with him because I, I like the fact that um, looking at the numbers, he seems he's fresh, he's healthy, he doesn't have the cheese, they haven't got a fullback, he's a senior member of the team. I just think, look, at the worst case scenario, I get what I, what, what I pay for, but I think, you know, looking at the numbers, he's 10, he's 10 points under the start of the season, just go with a solid hooker. It also gives me a solid sort of backup for, you know, if, you know... Um, uh, when Cheese has his sort of buy-in round forward, also, also you know, in case one of them gets injured or suspended, I've just got 
the uh, the backup there. That's all. The only reason. Yeah, and look, I would not, even though I'm not on Grant at the moment, and even though I said, look, I'm, I'm not going to spend on both Munster and Grant, and if I had to choose, I'd choose Munster, I would not talk anyone out of Harry Grant. He's a phenomenal option. I still think he's going to be the number one hooker at the end of the year. Um, I will say the other positive for picking him is if you do believe in like looking at the past stats against his opposition, he didn't play the Tigers last year, but the other three teams that he plays in the first month, he scored 93 versus the Eels, 97 versus the Titans, and 85 versus the Bulldogs. So he, he's got an average in the 90s versus those three teams, and I'm pretty sure that the Tigers, if he played them last year, would have at least been 90-plus. So he, he probably will start off – he probably will have a good chance to start off like last year where he, he gets towards that 90 average if he kicks off well in the storm of firing. And this is probably what it comes down to with these big guns, Billy, and it's what I've said on other podcasts. Some of it's going to come down to your belief in the team, right? Like if you think that the storm are going to just hit the ground running, be on fire to start with and, and not even miss a beat that they've got some roster turnover and stuff, then that probably sells you on starting with some of these guys like Grant and Munster. If you think that they might have some early struggles, some growing pains, then it is cause to double think that and maybe go to some other options and wait and see. So for me, I think they might start a little bit slower. Um, so I'm hoping that Grant doesn't start like last year. And he doesn't worry me as much as a Munster because if he ends up averaging, um, you know, his 80 points a game, then it's very good. But you kind of hope that your other hooker is going to average 60 and the 300K that you save can buy you 20 points somewhere else and you can make it up, right? So I'm not as worried about not starting the grant, but he is a fantastic option still. Yep. Surprisingly, the uh, NRL have only got them uh, playing the Dolphins once. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll save well, that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're not playing them early either. So, I mean, I, I can look forward to that. Look, Harry Grant and Munster are both going to be in my side during the year. I'm just I'm probably not going to have them round one, although Munster's starting to tempt me a bit more. Harry Grant's a great option, guys. If you if you think, if you you want to have him, just go and grab him. Um, the next gun, though, on the list, oh, I don't think he's a good option. And he was a massive gun for them last season, and that is Jerome Hughes. 68.6 points per game. Comes in as a half-pack price at 721800 Only 4% owned. Massive pod territory. Uh, there is groundswell of talk from people not wanting to start with Hines or not wanting to play for, pay for Cleary and Hines. And Hughes has been tossed up by a few people. Now, I am super into Munster and Grant as options. Both of them scare me to not own them. Uh, Hughes does not scare me. I'm not into him as an option. If I was going to pivot from a, a Hines or a Cleary, I'd be looking at guys like Sam Walker that are over 100K cheaper and some of these other options. I don't actually see Hughes in this class. So 55% of his games, he went 60 plus, Billy. For me, if I'm paying 721000 for someone, I would want better than that. And when you have a look at it, despite him having a good season, he had three tonnes. But they're all small. He, he does not go huge at all. And he also had some low scores against some of this opposition that he's got coming up too. So, look, he had a good season. It was actually four points worse than his career year in 2021. So we did see that digression from that six-again season. But he's tons, 101, 105, 108. And he actually had 103, so he had four tons. You can see there, it's, it's all within eight points of going over the 100, 100 mark. Uh, and that, that's good scoring but it's not blow you away scoring where he's going to have some massive ones. His floor is great. Like he only had one game where he's actually below 40s, but he had a number of games where he was 40s and 50s. You know, half of his games are 40s and 50s. And I just don't want to get that from someone I'm paying 720K plus with. Like I don't want a limited ceiling with a nice floor, but it's going to give me a lot of 40s and 50s. It just doesn't really work. Uh, at least with Harry Grant, you got that limited ceiling a little bit. But he's not giving you 40s and 50s a lot of the time. He's giving you heaps of 70s, 80s, 90s. So, you know, he'd go, wow, I'm going to pay for that. Hughes, I just don't see it as a really good option at all. And his base is only 22. And that's why he gets a lot of these lower scores. His base attack gets him up to 40. That's solid. But, you know, the 22 base is pretty low compared to some of the other top halfback options. We've spoken about Nico Hines a lot on this podcast. He's had a, He had a 34 base. Uh, so, you know, 34 base to 22 base, it's a pretty big difference. And it's why he's got those smaller ones in him. So 
For a pod at 4% owned, if I was going to pivot away from one of the big options, I'd want to make sure that I'm getting someone that, that can really rocket me and he's not going to. And in all likelihood, he's going to give you some dud scores to start the year too. So if you can't tell, Billy, I'm really not a trophy who's fair to start the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly the same, mate. I'll just start with having a look at some of the numbers again. It generally seems to peak, um, not just last year, but the last couple of years, like uh, a game or two prior to the first origin, a game or two after the first origin. He capitalises on those, um, um, yeah, bottom rent teams, but also when you've got understrength or guys come, guys coming out the back the, the backside of um, the big games, a bit fatigued. So uh, just a classic example, round, round 15 when he scored 100 last year, that was versus the Broncos. How many guys did the Queensland generally have sort of in the Queensland team? Beating, beating up on the cell dwellers, mate, and the um, ceiling not that high, floors too, floors too flory, so no. Those are the guns, okay? So Melbourne Storm... Have four real big guns. I'm going to say two of them are massive options and two of them aren't. That's Pap and Hughes. Let's have a look at a big balls pod for the storm. And I'm kind of excited for this one because I've been talking myself into it a little bit. Nick Meany, confirmed as the fullback by Craig Bellamy until Pappenhausen returns. He is also confirmed as the goal kicker. I will say his goal kicking wasn't very good. It was right around 70%. So... Not great when you're benchmarking against other NRL kickers, but he is a goal kicker for the Melbourne Storm and he is a fullback, possibly for the first two months of the season. Now, he is at 4% ownership at the moment, so he is a pod that you can have at your centre wing spot who is going to be playing fullback. Problem is he comes in at 643800 Not cheap, although I will say he's eighty grand cheaper than, say, a Valentine Holmes, who is the highest-owned centre wing and who is a goal-kicking centre, not a fullback for the Cowboys. I reckon that Meany is at minimum five points upside when he's playing fullback. So when you're having a look at the averages, he is priced off his 61 average. At fullback for the Storm in 2022, he averaged 66 points a game. Uh, And... There's also some room for some extra goal kicking in there as well. He kicked most of those games. I think there might have just been one of them where he didn't, so a lot of that's built in. But he can improve on that goal kicking too because it wasn't that great. So at minimum, you'd expect five points of value, and that gives you up to a 66 average too, which is a really, really good uh, average for a centre wing. But I'd probably go as far to say that he, he could even go for 70 upside because he's only got four tries in his 11 fullback games last year. So there's probably some room for more. The thing that's probably not great for him is that when you look at his base base attack at fullback, he's still only around that 35 mark. Maybe with his goal kicking, though, he gets up to that 44, 45 mark as a sort of a base floor because of his goal kicking. But, yeah, it's it's like a Latrell Mitchell. He doesn't have a great raw base, but his base attack coming in isn't great either. He needs, he needs that goal kicking in there which he's going to have, but it's still kind of average for the top-tier fullbacks that you're going to pay for. There is room for more tries, though, Billy, uh, and certainly there is room for a bit of growth there, uh, and also the fact that he got a good taste of fullback last year for the Storm, he might be better for the run. So I really think that I'm pegging him anywhere from 66 to 70 points a game, at least for that first couple of months, and he's priced off 61. So I think there's two things that you want to look for. You want to look for value and you want to look for high point scoring. You know, if you can get some real good value from a cheapie, you know, someone goes from 30 to 50 points a game, that's great for making money. Meaning you don't need him to go up that much in value because you're going to start him every week anyway and he's in a center wing position where you're going to really want to pay for those points. So if you can pay 61 points for 70 points average over that first couple of months to start the season, 643,000 doesn't really sound that bad. He's pretty consistent, um, but yeah, it, it's a bit of a polarizing one because I've seen a lot of good arguments against him as well. Where are you on on Nick Meany and his new duties to start the year? Now that Pappenhausen is going to be out, not massively keen on him. Um, don't think I've even actually looked at him once, up until looking at the numbers earlier. Yeah, look, he has a bit of value there. Like he's he's like you said, it's priced at sixty one. His real value is probably sort of seventy one. I mean. You, like you said before, if you take into account his fullback games only, there was one, there's only one real anomaly, anomaly in there, sort of 35 versus Penrith game one. But if you give him a mulligan in his first game at fullback versus the best team in the comp and just average out all his other games, 
mate, he's pretty much consistently in the 70s. Low score of 52. Not high, not low. He does the job. Like, at his price, could be worse. But, I mean, if you're looking for someone just to do their job and is going to, and like we say every year, just going to get more than what you pay for, he's he's 100% going to give you more than what you pay for. It's just, do you want to put a bloke in that sort of spot that has a limited ceiling? Because he's not going to give you, like, 130. That's all. Yeah, he only had the one time last year of 107 points, and that was on the wing. Uh, so he just has, like Billy said, he's got a lot of this 60 to 80 type of scoring really consistently as a fullback and goal kicking. So you know, it, you're going to get really good scores. I think that it's a really good comparison to make with him and Holmes because Holmes has the ability to get these you know, 130 scores and stuff every now and then, but he's also got a propensity to go with 35, whereas... Yeah, you know, Meany's the opposite. He's not going to give you those 35s, but he's not going to give you that 130, 140. He's just going to give you those real solid 70s and 80s with a lot of his good games. Uh, and I kind of like that because 80K less, and if you're talking on just compartmentalising the season, if you go, look, over the first six weeks, I'm going to bank on Meany to, you know, average 75 and Holmes to average 65. If you can just if you can get away with that for the first six weeks and it's a total possibility, you've saved eighty grand for your round one team and you're ten points better off on a guy that's four percent owned versus twenty five percent owned. Yeah, it, it can make a really big difference. So I'm considering Meany. Um I, I don't know if I'm going to start with him, but I do think that he's a consideration. I don't think you can go really wrong. I just don't think that it can go fantastic where it's like the pie of the year either and you're getting hundred and twenty point scores and stuff. But you know what? Just something I've only just noticed something just then. Of the ten games that he played at fullback last year, six of those were versus the top four teams, and he's still averaging sort of seventies. So the other two were the other two were Manly twice, where he scored seventies, and the other two were versus Broncos, where he scored eighty and eighty five. So if you spread that out over the season and actually give him a couple teams like, you know, Tigers and the Titans if he's averaging 71, like 10 points priced above his average and, and the only playing is the the top tier team at the fullback, there's absolutely no reason he can't lift that to, you know, sort of 76 or 81. Yeah, uh, look, I'd be elated if he got a 76. Oh, I think that his 70s, low 70s is probably where you can hope for with him. Um, and I think sort of 60, 65, 66 is his minimum that you're going to get. So, yeah, look, I like him as an option. It's... Six forty-three thousand. You know, I was when I read about it and him and Pappenhausen initially not not starting the season potentially. I was just hoping in my head and thinking, oh, I think you'll probably be five eighty, five ninety, and I was all on board for that. It's just that extra fifty or sixty k that that makes me pause a little bit more. But geez, four percent ownership. I really think that he's an option to consider, and it, I don't think it can hurt you that much as far as his scoring. The only place that's going to hurt you is spending that type of money in your centre wing and other guys going ballistic or, or you going without a big gun. I wouldn't, if I didn't have a, a Nico Hines or, you know, I was trying to budget and not get one of those guys, you know, I, I wouldn't spend that money on Meany or downgrade Meany and make sure you had a Hines or some of those top players. Don't get Meany in and sacrifice the top 10 guns in the in the game sort of thing. But if you've got those guns and you want to spend on one centre wing, I definitely think Meany's an option. Let's move along. Uh, this one is going to be the controversial one for the Melbourne Storm team, the one that we're going to say is a mistake. Xavier Coates, can I just say outright, I am always surprised at how many people still jump on these try scorers with really low floors like an Addo Carr or Coates. They, they still, even when they burn people, they still end up a few percent owned and it starts to climb up a little bit more and more. Coates comes in at 466,000. And I think that a lot of people are going, well, you know what? He'll improve on his 44 points last year. That's really low. He'll be comfortable in the storm system. He's going to score tries, have some big gains. It just, it's not there, guys. He had six of his games last year where he was sub 20 scores. Only four of his 16 games, he went 60 plus. And that was despite scoring 13 tries in 16 games. So it's not even like his strike rate could be much better. You know, 13 tries in 16 games, that's pretty bloody good. His base is putrid, 18 points a game. His base base attack gets him to 30. 
I would tell people to consider the fact that his base base attack is 30 and that is the top half a dozen super coach center wings base only without their base attack. You know, it is just, he's such a bad option to me at 466,000. I think that a lot of people will look at the the few good scores and certainly, you know, everyone like a Coates is going to have a time where it's good to jump on during the year. You know, there was a time like that last year for sure, where it looked like he had a good draw. He was playing the Warriors in round seven and Newcastle in round eight. Both those teams were struggling. It was an all right time to buy him at 430,000, 123, 116 points. Fantastic. You know, if you got him for that run and a few people did, and we spoke about it on this podcast, great stuff. But you're going to sell him pretty soon later, you know, and then you backed it up with a 31, an eight, a 16, and a 36 before he went on a buy, you know, and that is him. You're trying to jump on a run of two or three games that he could go really well in and get hat tricks and then get rid of him. It's not going to be to start the year at 466,000. So I would urge anyone that, that is looking at Xavier Coach to, and I don't say this often, you know, everyone that listens to the podcast, Billy, will know that I, I, I rarely say you have to get this guy or don't go anywhere near this guy. I like to just give options for and against and let people make up their own minds. Don't go near Xavier Coates for, for the start of the year. Yep. Um, and that, that run that you're talking about, that and it's two games, never three games, <laughs> two maximum. <laughs> Yeah, you're really only wanting wanting him if you're buying to try and win a, a semi-final or, or a head-to-head and they're playing the, the Titans or the Warriors at home and even even the Warriors are depleted. That's the only time you're wanting him. It's just a, a pure pod trade and he needs to fall over three times. That's it. Um, yeah, only other thing I'm going to add is, yeah, mate, the numbers are horrendous. Every, every, for every three games he plays, two of them are below 45. End of story. It's just anyone that's that's disagreeing and just wants to buy him, I would urge you just to, before you do, just go and look at all of his scores last year, all on one bit of paper, just so you can see it all, and then tell yourself whether you want a piece of that or not. Uh, let's go on to the mids and the value options. We're going to start with some more expensive ones. Christian Welsh uh, is coming in healthy finally. He's had a bad couple of runs of injuries where he did his ACL and then he did his Achilles. Uh, because of that, he missed um, a large chunk of the last two years. Um, he ended up playing only one game in 2022, so his 49 average really doesn't mean much. Uh, 2021 is why everyone's so invested in considering him. He comes in as a front row forward option at only 464,000. So certainly, the price is right. He's he's at that nice 400 to 500 range of front row forwards that you really want to look at options for if you want to go lean there to spend elsewhere. Definitely qualifies. And 2021 was his breakout year as far as super coach goes. He averaged 59 points a game. And he was certainly a lot of us jumped on him that year. I know that I did. Uh, and I think that if you look at that, you sort of go, well, you know, you can get a lot of value at his price point of 464000 if he can just get back to what he did in 2021 when he was healthy. That's a fair enough argument. Um, when we look at 2021, Billy, it was a 47 rule base and a 59 base base attack. And that's really what you want to see. I think one of the big things with him was that he was offloading a lot that year, which is why he had that 12 points in his base attack per game. And we saw in the last trial, they only played like 25 minutes, but still threw a couple of offloads, which was really good to see. The concerns though, and I do have some because I have memories as an owner that year. It was such a slow burn. He really just had these solid middling scores and there were times where he was really low and you were just like, Oh no, please get more. And some of that wasn't his fault. Some of it were his minutes with Bellamy. And that's the other thing. He's coming off an Achilles injury. That's very serious. I'm not sure that he's going to get massive minutes to start with. He averaged 52 minutes a game for that 59 average. Uh, maybe he averages that again, like he did in 2021. Maybe Bellamy plays in 42 minutes for a few games here and there. And that's really going to kill his value. He might even lose a bit of money. So the counter argument to having him, Billy, is when you're looking at the numbers, he still only went 60 plus 47% of the time in that career year where he averaged 59 points a game. He was really a lot of 50s. He struggled to get to that 60 plus score. Uh, 25% of his games was actually sub 50. And that's a concern when one, when more than one in four of your games, you're going below 50 points. As a middle forward, that's a worry. 
Um, he doesn't really have any upside as far as try scoring and, and get going big scores. He's just a bit of a plotter, including his base attack. His price is going to be his upside at 464000 So are, are you confident at 464000 that he can get back to that 59 average and that Bellamy's just going to not play around with his minutes? No, not at all. I owned him the year before and I thought I was really clever because he um, started okay just doing the job and then all of a sudden he hit, hit, hit a bit of a purple patch. He had a, he had a couple of decent scores, including a ton off you know, just under 50 minutes. And I remember thinking how good I was because he was averaging sort of mid-60s and then he just didn't get any more minutes, didn't get any less. It was just meat and potatoes. He'd always be on sort of 50, 55, and then update to 55 or 65. And you're like, oh, maybe next week, maybe next week. He just teased you enough to, until the point that he regressed or just didn't do anything and everyone else just had, um, whoever they started the year, the year with, had just uh, sold an upgrade and sold an upgrade. And I was sort of stuck with him sort of still you know, post-origin. So... Moral of that boring story is <laughs> don't persist with him. Just don't even get him. Yeah, and, and that year of 2021, like if you got him going into that, he he really, he took almost the first half of the season to make his 100 grand. Oh, I lie. He took two months to make his 100 grand, but it was a real slog to sort of get there. Yeah. And it just, and right afterwards, he dropped back down and he never got near that again. Yeah. Well, so, so. Put it this way. Um, when when I owned him, I was pretty excited with myself for the you know for the for the first sort of you know, six or seven weeks, and then by the time I got three quarters of the way through the se- through the season, my attitude had changed to something along the lines of, you know what, if I had have known now what what I knew at the beginning, what I didn't at the beginning of the season, I would have just had you know one gun forward and the second the second forward wouldn't have even bothered going with a midi. I would have just paid started like. Uh, a bargain basement bloke off the bench playing 30 to 35 minutes with a big PPM, give me 45 points. And that would have saved me, what, 250 grand to go and find an extra 15, 20 points elsewhere, which I could have done easily with a decent back or half or someone that might have even, you know, been able to ch- chuck up a, a massive ton and give me a captaincy score every now and then. So there's lots of ways to uh, use utilise an extra couple of hundred grand. And for Christian Welsh, yeah, that's me. I'll be... I'd much rather be getting like a Stefano off the bench or something like that. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like, it, just because he scores, he scores are so middling with these 40s, 50s, and rare 60s that, well, not rare, but, you know, one in four or whatever. Um, maybe even does better than that. You know, maybe he gives you, you know, two in three, you know, 60 points a game, but it's still. Just going to be a point where you go, you know what? I could have started Stefano to Kamanu as my second front row forward at 150,000 less and just copped at worst maybe 45 points a game from him. And the extra 150K, I, I could have just put elsewhere and gotten a rocket somewhere. Yeah. And it's just, it's just very boring. And I really like Christian Walsh. I love him on social media and everything. He's a very smart man. Love listening to him talk about rugby league and all the politics and stuff. I think he's great. I think he's a really good NRL player too, and I'm glad that he's healthy again. But for super coach, I think that I just don't think there is as much value there as what people want to hope there is. And I think that you're better off going down to another option or going with one of the other options because there's so many different ones at 450 to 500 odd thousand at the front row forward spot that, that could do what he does at a minimum and have some upside to do better. And that's probably what I'd leave it on. And I'm going to aim for one of those guys instead. Well, she's very popular though. So I'm sure that this will upset a lot of people, Billy. Um, and, I, you know, there's a chance we're wrong on this. Maybe he does bust out the offload. And- put, put, put it this way, uh, 10 seconds and we'll shut it down. Do you think there's, do you think there's going to be any chance any time in the season, or even if he does, does kill it, that your friends or anyone else is going to turn around and go, Oh my god! I can't believe I missed out on Christian Welsh. Not not owning him has killed my season. Never. No. If he goes well, you maybe get an extra thirty point, forty points on top of someone else, and then you're still in this position of shit. I've got Christian Welsh. Christian Welsh, dead and buried by Billy, all in one sentence there, in under twenty seconds. Boom! All right, <laughs> he's not a bad option. He, he might work out. I just, oh, I think there's going to be better ways to do it. So I'm going to skip away from him. Uh, let's talk about another guy in Remus Smith. 
Now, Remus Smith, I think a lot of people are looking at because he's in a storm backline, number one, Billy. And anyone in a storm backline, you think, oh, well, they've got a chance at a lot of attack and stuff. The problem with poor old Remus is if you have a look at what he's done last year, it was really, really unappealing. So Remus Smith comes in at a price tag of 317000 and that's because he averaged 30 points a game in 2022. And... He did that playing nine games, and he was starting centre in those games. So that is pretty putrid. Now, admittedly, with Remus, it's a 35 average if he took his injury-affected game out. But, you know, going from 30 to 35 average, it's still not that appealing. Uh, I think people are searching for cheapies, though, Billy, or searching for mid-price guys. And at 316, 317,000, Remus Smith fits that bill, and he's playing for a good side. But, you know, the Storm were a good side before. And he still only scored one try last season in his nine games at centre. Um, 2021, though, polar opposite. So this is when you have to say, is this all you know influenced by the fact that there was all these extra points with the six again rule and, and the outlier year that 2021 was? Or can he actually be this guy again? Because in 2021, he actually had 14 tries in 23 games, which is a much better strike rate than his one in nine games that he had in 2022. Uh, he also had a much better... Um, base base attack which came in at 39 so it was significantly better so what do you think do you think that we that last year is an outlier and we are actually going to see a, a better Remus Smith um, I think a lot of people will probably argue that he could do 40 and that's still going to be 10 points better than what he's priced at there is probably some value there Billy you know 317k is not a huge investment so I can see why people are looking at him in their center wing uh, I bring it back to you know sort of Justin Oldham, like he's he's the the premier sort of um, premier sort of centre three quarter in that team on on the dominance of the side, and and he he's only punching what fifty five fifty six average with some horrible games in there. So does a bloke like Remus you know, going to do any any better than what um what Oldham, what Justin's doing? I wouldn't think so. Is the is the price worth finding out? Based off what we just talked about, with you know the uh, the likes of um, Xavier Coates, I know I know he's he's a gun player, basically basically playing outside those sort of blokes, and that even even they can't score well. So, moral of the story: just because you're in a good team, don't fall don't fall on a trap that you know your scores are going to go through the roof. You're not tackle busting, you're not scoring tries or setting them up, you're not goal kicking. It's he's just a half decent bloke in a good team. Um, I think it's overpriced. Yeah, and it's one of those things with the Storm where their setters don't generally get a lot of tries or a lot of the ball. Like, it's their halves and then going to their wingers or fullback. Those are the points opportunities more than their centers, um, certainly for try-scoring situations. So I'm not going to go as far as to say he's a mistake or anything. Like, I, I don't... I, 317,000, I'm going to put it as a get-lucky pick. You know, where there's, there's an okay chance that you could get lucky and he has a big game in the first few weeks and then you start making some money and away you go type of thing. Um, but you're going to have some real low scores in there as well. Oh, I just think it's a meh pick. Yeah, meh. It's, it's not bad. It's not going to be great. It's probably just going to be real average. And you can probably do better than that. But you could get lucky with him. Uh, I really don't know what to make of it. I'm just going to steer clear because I think there's a, there is a few other options at different price points. Like um, uh, Nickel Klockstad is only 20K more and he should play fullback for the Warriors. We're going to talk about him later. Uh, controversially, uh, not many people like the fact that I, I think that Sloan might actually be an option. And we're going to talk about him at the end of this podcast too when we go for the Dragons. But look, he's 30K less than Remus Smith is and he's playing fullback. Yeah, there's... I, I just think there's some other options that you can get lucky with a bit better and have higher odds with. Oh, look, look, look Remus Smith, if, if if you put his, with his opening draw, if you put his scores from last year against his opening draw this year, it's like this, 72 versus the Eels, then you're going to have, what, 59 versus the Bulldogs, then you're going to have 37 versus the Gold Coast, then you're going to come up against, what, the Chooks and the Storm, and you're going to have 34 and 37. So does that sound enticing? Yeah, let's put him to bed and talk about someone else that's equally unenticing, and that's Tarek Sims. So Tarek's come over, and he's only 470,000. And I think a lot of people are 
hoping that he's going to get an edge spot and play 80 minutes because he's coming off a season in 2022 where he only averaged 45 points a game in 59 minutes. Uh, but when you're having a look at that season, Billy, and this is a thing that people need to consider, more than half of that season he's playing as a middle forward. So his PPM is up. It's one of those things where you trade off minutes playing as a middle forward at 60 minutes a game, going up to 80 minutes a game, playing on an edge. And the byproduct is it, it's not actually going to go up that much. It's going to be reasonably similar. Maybe there's five points better. Maybe he goes from 45 to 50 points. That's still not worth playing 470K for him. I'm going to put a line through him right now as a mid option. I don't actually think he will get 80 minutes anyway. Uh, so I would cancel it out entirely uh, because if he's getting less than 80 minutes, he's really not an option. And I, I do think in real life, he's going to be a better footballer at the Storm this year than what we've seen the last couple. And I do think he'll do a really good job there. But as someone who had a 41 base last year, averaged 45 points a game in 60 minutes, I just don't see really much of any upside. And there's all these other options in secondary four that are even less than 470K or a bit more that are going to do way better than him. And when you go through his numbers... He had a higher of 71, um, and that was his only game last year where he went 60-plus. So it doesn't matter how much you think that he's going to go better at the Storm, Billy. Just none of the numbers or his career at 33 years of age add up to it being a, a buy at 470k to start the year. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? When you have, you have a bloke uh, with, with a beastie PPM in the middle, then then they go to the edge and you think, here we go. I know, I know I'm going to take a couple of tackles away. I know I'm going to sort of take a couple of run, runs away, but... Their, their PPM's awesome. They're going to have some chances, some tries. They're going out to the edge. They're going to play 80 minutes. And you, you, you use, use a guy like TPJ as an example, offloading King, beast up the middle, all of a sudden goes to the edge, and then they just don't see the ball. They get lazy they're, they're, or they, they get benched, and then, then all of a sudden they're playing, you know, sort of 50 minutes on edge. And, yeah, it's even worse for a bloke that's sort of 33 years old, mate. So absolute no. And they've got three three or four legitimate edge options as well in the Storm. So uh, even if he starts, does manage to start on an edge, uh, and he, he may very well, uh, it might mean that there's a Katara on the bench or something like that, and they're going to give him some minutes. So yeah. I just... Yeah, I don't, I just, I don't see it with Sims at all, and we're going to talk. Yeah, just off the back of that, but the only one that actually would interest me, like a bloke like Nelson Asofa, who's an absolute beast in the middle, you couldn't, you couldn't get him many playing sort of forty-five minutes a game. But towards the end of the last year, like he, he was rotating at at edge. So if if you watch Bellamy's rotation early, if if there's any sniff of a bloke like. Nelson is sort of, you know, playing sort of 40 or playing sort of 20 and then come back on and then rotating out the edge and and, and running, running at those uh, tired defenders in the last 10 minutes of a game. It's that's what that that's when the smaller minutes for those those 33 year old guys on the edge all of a sudden maybe better for someone else. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think the problem is that because sort of they've lost Jesse Bromwich uh, from that front row forward spot. And it was a bit of an experiment last year with Nelson. I, I think that they're going to keep him as a front rower. Um, so I don't think we're going to see that again. Yeah. But we, we did mention the other guy, Katoa, that's an edge option for them. And Katoa is 411000 So he's a lot more palatable as far as price point too. And he's coming off seasons where he's he's gone 39 and 40 points, but he's only played 41 and 50 minutes. Uh, so particularly last year at 41 minutes, you can see definite improvement there. Like if he's starting on an edge... Even if he doesn't get 80, you can get a 50% improvement in his minutes because he'll probably get 60 minutes. And if he's getting 60 minutes, you know, you'd expect that he gets 50% more points on his PPM average. And then all of a sudden, that's like a 60 average. Uh, as an 80 minute player, if you were to get that, look, he should be looking at 65 plus. And we've seen this before in his career, right? Like he played 69 minutes a game in 2020 and averaged 57 points a game. So he, he's at minimum a 60 plus player if he's 80 on an edge. I think the problem is, Billy, that with this whole Storm Ford pack, there's so many different variations on what they could do, and it's hard to guess what Bellamy's going to do. Even with teamless today, you know, you, you don't know. Like, Katara's on the bench. Does he go on the bench? Does he end up starting on an edge? If he's starting on an edge, I am very interested because at 411000 it's cheap, and like we said, he did 39 points in 41 minutes last year. He's going to improve from that. And in the Storm system, you know, he's always had those super coach tools with his base space attack. And three years ago, he went on a bit of a try scoring spree where he scored six tries in 13 games. You know, he's got that in him. So he projects well. 
And at least he's young enough at 23, 24 years of age that he might actually improve and get better, unlike a Tarek Sims. So if he gets named to start, I am interested in him. Um, and I think that he is a consideration more than any of the other mids that we've spoken about. Yeah, and you've got to remember, like, he's, his season PPM is, what, just under one. And that's 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 in a, in a team like the Warriors as well. So he, I know we don't want to say every single player that comes to the Storm is going to do well. But surely when you go from a, a team like the Warriors to um, um, Storm, your propensity for scoring tries is going to be a little bit better. And, and he only scored, what, three last year. So, And that, that was with, what, what, how many minutes did you say he was playing? What, 41 minutes? You, even if you only increase him to 60, mate, like there's, there's some value there. He seems to be, from the eye test, he seems to run a lot fast, run a lot faster and be more agile than the other blokes too. But maybe you'd put that down to him being younger. But I think there's some potential for him. But at the price, do you want to pay it? Like he's, he's not the worst, but he's, he's, if anything, he's maybe what, a fifth or sixth, sixth second rower just, just to fill in a spot. Yeah, well, I think in the first certainly the first month, but really the first couple of months, if he's an 80-minute edge-back rail for the Storm, you could start him for that first couple of months because we all know that you're starting some cheaper guys and you're 17. Yeah, you could, could have someone. Like, I mean, he's close enough to bottom dollar that, you know, you you, you get like a Burton as opposed to like a, a, a Cameron Munster. All of a sudden, you've got like a, an 80-minute Katoa. So you've got Katoa and Burton as opposed to what, Munster and what a base price guy that might get half a game, put two and two together and do the maths, see what, see what works for your own team. Yeah, it, a lot of it comes down to minutes and what Bellamy decides to do, and that's the hard part. But if Katoa's starting and playing 80 on an edge, I'm 100% going for him. Um, if he's starting and we don't know the minutes, I'm a little bit more wary because 60 minutes is a bit scarier. Um, and I'd hate for him to get 50 minutes. Like If he gets 50 minutes, it's going to kill him. So it is a bit risky, uh, but I definitely like him the best out of the mid guys. Now, there is a few different guys that are cheapies for them. Uh, the first one we're going to knock on the head now is Howarth. Howarth is in like 25, 30% of teams in and out for the whole preseason, right? He is named to play Queensland Cup this weekend when most teams are actually naming pretty much their strong, strongest 17. And the fact that he's not even in the reserves is very puzzling. Um, they signed him to a five-year deal just last year because they wanted to keep him around and other clubs were circling. It is amazing that he's turning out for a Queensland Cup team this week. But I think that that means that you need to get him out of your side because it's suggested he's he's not even close to the 17. They're not even putting him in the extended reserves bench and he's not hurt or anything or being saved because he's going to be playing uh, Queensland Cup, I think, for the Falcons. So Howarth should be out. Um, he's gone now. Uh, the other couple of guys are, are Chan and Loreo. And I'll probably pronounce that wrong, so I'll apologise. I'll learn that better for next time. Um, but Trent Lero... <laughs> Billy says, oh, I can pronounce it worse. Uh, Trent Lero. 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 He, uh, <laughs> he's a real smoky. He's 365000 so he's more expensive than, like, Chan or Howarth. But, geez, he's got, he's got some real ability. He's got a career PPM average of around 09 and as an edge back rower, you know, he's a, he played 16 games in 2022 and he averaged 35 per game, playing 36 minutes. If he's a starting edge, uh, I'll be putting him straight in my side because he's got some talent. He's looked really good. And it's one of those things, Billy, where we see some of these cheap to mid guys and you look at their numbers and they look okay and you go, oh, yeah, he looks really good. But you see they've only played like four or five career games. Like, this bloke had 16 games in 2022 and you really got to see what he was. And he consistently had that, that one, one ish PPM almost as an edge player. So I really like Trent Liero. I think he's a bit of a smoky to start on one of the edges. Uh, and if he wins that spot, he he's probably their best guy between that 200 to, to 400 range without going above 400 that you can throw in. Um, and certainly how if he's going to make his way out of my side, because I think that he's, Going to be too far off getting a start now. Yeah, I had low Trent in my team for a while, but the numbers from last year, it was okay. Like he, he had some around the one mark, but if you look at all these, he, he did have some, he did have some bigger minute games. And the thing you got to remember, a lot of the 
those games he was playing in the middle, he, he wasn't he wasn't playing everyone on the edge, dude. So a lot of those points are going to be inflated from um, um, middle tackles. Doesn't doesn't seem to have any any real sort of TB there. Like he's got one here and there, and he doesn't doesn't really have an offload, mate. He's got what three offloads the entire year. Just doesn't tick that SC aggressive box for me. So I think I'm going to take um, Garner over the top of him instead and wait and see. But if I can get him in this, in the sixth spot, maybe. But that money just needs to stretch. That's all. Yeah, I, I like him as a player. 365k, I, I think it's cheap enough where he can have a go. Uh, it is a good point that Billy makes. So he probably did play a lot of edge, um, non, non-edge roles where he's going on in the middle and stuff in those games. Um, he did only score two tries in those 16 games, though, and I think he can score more than that on the edge. So that might make up for it. But That was right. I went to 2020, now I remember, I went to 2021 and had a look at his um, scores there as well, where he did play somewhat on the edge, and it was a, the PPM was a lot worse. That was the thing that turned me off from memory. Yeah. Well, I, I would hazard a guess at, like, if he ends up starting and Sims is starting, uh, I think Sims will go off and give Katoa 20 minutes. So um, I tend to think that Sims is going to be the guy that, that loses minutes. So the other edge is going to be the option at 80. Uh, no, I'm going to consider him for sure if he's starting. Um, but how if he's straight out of my side, that's for sure as well. That is the Melbourne Storm. Uh, we're going to move along now. We are going to split this one up into parts one and part two. So this is part one. Part two is going to be available very shortly after this one. So go and grab that one as well. But for getting this podcast and the future episodes, make sure you jump on either SoundCloud, Amazon, iTunes, or Spotify. You can also subscribe on those as well. Give them a share around. It's great to get more listeners on board and the responses. Again, this preseason have been phenomenal. So thank you very much. You can follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore all stars. Otherwise, make sure that you download part two where you continue this conversation and podcast. Can't wait to chat to you again real soon. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on.